Welcome to UCD ScholarCast. The following lecture in the series Archaeologies of Art will be jointly given by Andrew Cochran of the School of History and Archaeology, University of Cardiff, and Ian Russell of the School of Archaeology, University College Dublin. Archaeoclash, Manifesting Art and Archaeology Is archaeology a science? Is archaeology a humanity? What are the politics of spectatorship and archaeological representation? These initial thoughts form the basis for our archaeological explorations. Within current archaeological discourse, there are a growing number of requests for expressions which illuminate and expose the interpretive and artistic qualities of presentation and narration. Yet few scholars actively utilise expressive practice to explore these philosophical issues. As such, we feel that this is an opportune time to intervene in the visual and the textual discourse by issuing a manifesto for our project. We call for the development of a critically reflexive practice of visual archaeological expressionism, which seeks to contest traditional modes of thought and action. We declare the importance and the need to express theoretical concepts in a format which is not constrained by linguistic context. We will express theory which is often written in English and turn to the visual as a means of promoting a visual literacy of archaeological theories, methodologies and narratives. This simultaneously acts as an invitation for practitioners who feel constrained themselves by this discourse in archaeological theory to seek to transcend linguistic, cultural barriers by embracing the visual. Such endeavours have far-reaching ramifications for the tension between non-academic, public and academic expert discourses, if indeed it's possible or appropriate to make these separations. Actions will pose further questions. For instance, can we ask what the implications for value and meaning are in archaeological presentations? Will archaeological science be deemed less hard by its inclusion in abstract and unquantifiable visual expressions? How will this affect the linguistic authorities of archaeological discourse? We feel that the consequences of not undertaking these critical ventures are far greater than undertaking them. If archaeologists fail to reflexively intervene in discourses of visual literacy, then this threatens meaning and value in archaeological research and risks the loss of the social and visual relevance of archaeological expression. These concerns and contemplations are the stimuli for this manifesto. We accept that this manifesto is by no means an assertion of a universal state of affairs. The views and ideas expressed in this text are the contextualized expressions of our own individual and shared experiences as Western academics and artistic practitioners. In particular, we choose to acknowledge our childhood experiences in Richmond, Virginia, in the United States, and Cornwall, England, in the United Kingdom. We studied and currently work in Dublin, Ireland, and Cardiff, Wales, and understand our thought as a product of Western European and Anglo-American intellectual and social discourses. In the spirit of our project, this manifesto will be an exercise in free thought and expression. Therefore, at times we choose to abandon traditional standards of citation and referencing, 
and instead acknowledge here the list of thinkers and artists who have greatly shaped our thought and practice. Theodore Adorno, Douglas Bailey, Banksy, Jean Baudrillard, Ulrich Beck, Walter Benjamin, Joseph Boyce, Maurice Bloch, Elizabeth de Marais, Marcel Duchamp, Alfred Gell, Andy Goldsworthy, Chris Gosden, Raoul Hausmann, Cornelius Haltorf, Stephanie Kerner, Bruno Latour, Richard Long, Rene Marit, Eduardo Paloazzi, Man Ray, Colin Renfrew, Michael Shanks, Julian Thomas, Andy Warhol, Peter Weibel. Following Walter Benjamin and William Burroughs, in this manifesto we also distinguish ourselves from more traditional scholarly writings by articulating ideas as a collection of excerpts and freestanding paragraphs. The formatting of argument as fragments in their own context not only allows the reader the freedom to absorb discussion in whichever order they please, but also moves us as authors nearer to an experimentation with surrealist textual montage that disrupts particular linear and systemic flows of explanation. Throughout the modern Western world, there has been a growth in the assertion of scientific process as a method of constructing representational archaeologies. The modern scientific expression of a true and accessible past evident invisible and tangible material occurred in tandem with the development of modern faith in rational science as a means of explicating contemporary existence. In response, Jean Baudrillard pronounced of modernity that we, the modern cultures, no longer believe in this illusion of the world but in its reality, which of course is the last and worst of illusions. In archaeology, the belief in a real past as an observable phenomenon obscures the many layers of modern confusion and misrepresentation that experienced in everyday life. That modern cultures believe in the real or a real past is not so much a declaration of the current state of affairs, but more of an affirmative declaration of the desire of one of the projects of modernity, the archaeological endeavour. But, as Bruno Latour has asked, have we ever been modern? If modernity is a process which is in search of the scientifically explicable real, will the project ever come to completion? Is it possible to obtain a utopia of the real, or is this merely a modern purgatory of struggle for authoritative meaning through representation? In answering these questions, we acknowledge that archaeology occupies a perplexing position in the discourse of human expression. On the one hand, archaeology is a natural science, the logical expression of a process-driven approach to explaining a linear, temporal, evolutionary understanding of the world. On the other, it's a humanity, a poetic expression of humans grappling with modern philosophies, paradigms and epistemologies in a world which is rapidly changing but simultaneously constant. We can appreciate the positivistic assertions of Lewis Binford in his attempts to have archaeology recognised as a legitimate social science. Such assertions we feel have, however, actively ignored the critical comments made in discourses such as visual arts throughout the 20th century, 
which called into question the violent nature of image construction and representation in a world rampant with conflict. This has given way to a dynamic state of perpetual struggles for epistemic authority in this shared world in which we all inhabit. We intend to move away from the reliance on textual symbolism within Western academia as an analeptic means of intellectual debate. Taking our lead from Maurice Bloch and Alfred Gell, this paper will abandon interpretations, linguistic fallacies, or thought traps founded on unambiguous visual meanings, definable symbolism, and decipherable textual codification. In rejecting these decompositions of imagery, we remove ourselves from succumbing to the treachery or conspiracy of language and call for a move toward non-representational archaeologies. We consider how archaeology, as an enterprise in understanding past human endeavor, operates via the modern production of text in propositional form. We also acknowledge that the creation of text and terminologies within the discipline facilitates discourse and communication amongst practitioners. We are, however, inspired by the art of René Marguerite, his most notable work, The Treason of Images, which is an image of a pipe with the text, Ceci n'est pas une pipe. We feel the visual cultural critique inherent in Magritte's work is integral to an acceptance within archaeology that text cannot prove the true identification of an artifact, and an artifact cannot prove text to be true. The contemporary adoption of terminologies within public spaces such as museums encourages the belief that the textual concepts linked to the artifact are in fact materialized truth and not interpretation. This creates a paradox in which we as archaeologists utilize text to understand worlds in which text often may not have existed, for example, prehistoric studies. It is therefore suggested that a better comprehension of the cognition of thought processes, or how past people perceive their world, will derive from focusing not only on what we write about these people, but first on what they may have been able to see, and second from what they made of what they had seen. Building upon this notion, we suggest that broader understandings of an interpretation of a past in the present will also derive from focus on visual rather than just textual stimuli. We are moving beyond printed texts to seek out alternative metaphors and modes of attention and expression to further elucidate the past. By exploring archaeological expressionism, such as poetry, sculpture, and art, we begin to move more towards what Michael Shanks terms a poetic approach to archaeology, and beyond discourses of countermodern, nonmodern, amodern, or pre-modern. By further appreciating our modern relationships with visual images, we may generate broader understandings of the complex negotiations that may have existed in the past, while celebrating the potential for archaeological expressions in contemporary society. In the visual arts, there has been a healthy reaction to and discourse over technological developments enabling methods of increasingly realistic representation. The photographers Emmanuel Raditsky, also known as Man Ray, and Raoul Hausmann used their technological craft in order to subvert known or seen reality, highlighting the illusion of the visually real. An illusion masked by the belief in technological progress. The futurist Filippo Tommaso Emilio Marinetti, Marcel Duchamp, René Marguerite, Joseph Boyce, and Andy Warhol all attempted to subvert the authenticity of visual representation in the 20th century. Archaeology during the 20th century has, however, been generally more concerned with documenting artifacts, compiling archaeological records, 
and producing narratives of fact about the past. We suggest an end to this inconsistency between disciplines and agencies, which seek to explore human expression with objects, images, and environments. Post-processual theory developed as a response to disillusionment with the ability of processual archaeology to present a veristic, ascertainable, factual past. Interpretive scholars embrace the application of a modern, postmodern and contemporary philosophy in the exploration of possibilities of the creation of archaeological knowledge. Despite post-processual critiques of scientific processual archaeological practice, archaeological studies as modern science are still utilised today in the formation of modern national and ethnic identities. Being presented to society as evidence of an identity's existence. Indeed, recently John Bentliff and Mark Pierce, in their session, The Death of Archaeological Theory, at the 2006 meeting of the European Association of Archaeologists, begged the question of whether archaeological theory and post processionalism in particular have been unsuccessful in facilitating discourses of understanding and solving archaeological epistemic problems. This illustrates the urgency of the contemporary situation. Given the perception of a failure of textual explication of epistemological and ontological problems with archaeological methodologies, it is imperative that archaeologists not retreat to a process-driven scientific methodology, but accept the humanistic aspects and expressionistic potential of archaeological research and narrative. We feel that archaeological research must be reincorporated into the discourse of visual cultural theory and artistic expression. It should no longer be approached as a singular, unique narrative of truths, but as a fluid expression of modern beliefs in temporalities and human agencies. We do not wish to go as far as Marinetti to rid ourselves of the gangrene of professors, archaeologists, tourist guides and antiquaries, but we wish to bring visual criticism and strategies to bear on archaeological explorations of materiality. In many archaeological publications, the term art is often thought of as being ill-defined and consequently confined to inverted commas. The term art, from an archaeological and anthropological perspective, is difficult to define, due in part to the imprecise boundary between art and non-art, whose location shifts with fashion and ideology. Ventures within the 20th century at expounding the term art have been fashioned to encompass not just recognizable paintings and abstract paintings, but also anything that an artist defines as art. The doctrine being that art is very much the free creation of the individual artist. Art is therefore characterized to be an ultra-abstract concept of an institutional kind. Studies in anthropology have, however, elucidated that this is a most unique perspective. It is proposed that one should instead consider issues of social expression, knowledge and understanding. Moreover, it is noted that the term art does not always exist in non-Western societies. As an illustration, the languages of Aboriginal Northern Australia, such as the Kunwinchku language of a region with rock art, have no word for the notion of art. It might therefore be, as Sparshot suggests, that art is so specifically framed within our civilization that it is perhaps something native only to us. 
Deriving the term art from the Old French "ars," meaning skill, some contemporary scholars suggest that art is still only the product of talented people who are often inspired by genius, madness, or taste. Art, from such a perspective, is often described in terms of its semantic or aesthetic properties, which are used for presentational or representational purposes. Previous megalithic and rock art studies have, for instance, revolved around formal description. Reducing art to descriptive, aesthetic, representational, and formal properties, however, limits the roles of the producers and consumers. Art has more recently been defined as any painting or sculpture or material object that is produced to be the focus of our visual contemplations or enjoyment. Such a definition does, unfortunately, focus more on art as being solely good to look at rather than good to think with. Therefore, we wish to free art from quotation. And celebrate its practice, suggesting, for the purposes of our project, to explore art as imageries, societies, objects, events, articulations, and fictions, as a means of stimulating further debate on the nature of images and strategies of presentation, or in Aristotelian traditions, as poetry and techne, that is, the responsible exercise of practice to render accessible expressions of understandings of being in the world. Outside the discipline of archaeology, there is a large body of knowledge encompassing art history. Most of this discourse, however, addresses art in a specific cultural context of literate societies, and is therefore of limited use within some archaeological milieu. For example, prehistoric studies. Frustratingly, the areas of archaeology that have demonstrated specific interest in visual aesthetics, such as studies of the Greek classical world. Present a tendency to project back contemporary artistic aesthetics, values, and judgments onto past societies. The trend is to create a framework for artistic study that demonstrates relationships between the image and its social meanings. This orthodox art historical application informs little of indigenous and pre-Renaissance European contexts, and more of Western notions of universal human culture-specific and period-specific aesthetics. If one is to adopt such an approach, art might be better thought as much a product of work, being a tool, a process, as in any other craft. Rather than being, as Colin Renfrew suggests, based upon Greco-Renaissance traditions of taste, by considering moves towards archaeological expressionism, we are seeking alternative ways of understanding the why and how of visual images and physical objects. We take our lead from Alfred Jell, who argued that indexes display a certain cognitive indecipherability, that they enchant and confuse the viewer. Who is unable to recognise at once holes and parts, continuity and discontinuity, synchrony and succession. Archaeological expressionism is concerned with any form of apparatus designed either to be looked at or to enhance vision, from oil paintings, line drawing, or digital photo mosaics. Some modern scholars currently advocate that we are increasingly a visual society. As we are no longer informed solely by text, and they suggest a visual or pictorial turn, with sensationalists suggesting the extreme of an iconic boom of visual literacy. Daily, we are informed and saturated with images ranging from advertisement, television, and the internet. 
This is not to suggest that human experience is now more visual and visualised than ever before. Human visual experience and visual intelligence, both past and present, is founded on practices of spectatorship. The look, the gaze, the glance, observation and surveillance. But as we are presented through technologies with the opportunity to utilise different visual regimes from those in the past, we seek to explore the archaeological by embracing visual motions which cannot be fully explicable in modes of textuality. We therefore strive for other forms of expression and analogy. We do not mean, however, to ignore the tradition of visual representation inherent in the discipline of archaeology. Rather, we intend to confront this tradition to expose its failed attempt at realistic representation of the past and re-engage it with the equally significant tradition of visual cultural criticism. For example, there are recent criticisms of studies that incorporate traditional archaeological two-dimensional black and white images, such as line drawings. Some have questioned a perspective that seems to privilege the static form of representation over more fluid social processes. For example, when studying the images engraved on Irish passage tombs or the corpuses of Irish early Christian or Celtic design, such conventions create a situation where the spectator in studying motifs as a corpus is encouraged to participate in the illusion that the image is a realistic representation of the original design. The viewer is also given an observer-imposed selection of acceptable visual images, presenting the motifs as spatially and temporally static. We argue that all traditional, schematic, representational line drawing produces similar effects, whilst also creating a particular scientific realism. Furthermore, we consider current appropriations of representational systems from the fields of physics and network theory. Although these are dynamic progressions from the two-dimensional representations of archaeological knowledge, they are still firmly embedded in the modern archaeological meta-endeavour of constructing and presenting knowledge as a visual reality. This, we feel, pushes archaeological realism to the point of abstraction. Thus we call archaeologists to participate in active and dynamic methods of visual expression. We are not asserting the need for a Dadaist archaeology, or a Futurist archaeology, or a Surrealist archaeology. What we call for is a re-engagement of archaeology with the history and contemporary practice of the visual arts. This re-engagement, we feel, will enable archaeology to move toward reflexive visual expressions of archaeological practice, move beyond traditional realistic abstraction, which was created via scientific methodologies and representations, transcend the limitations of the two-dimensional plane of archaeological representations, such as plans, schematic drawings, and section drawings, and embrace dynamic visual articulations of multiple essences. It will also empower archaeologists to confront visual appropriation of archaeological material as icons of modern temporalities, ethnicities, ideologies, and so on. It will also alleviate representational pressure put on archaeological research and material. It will support a move beyond representational archaeologies, exploring potentials for multivocal, multi-temporal, and multi-presentational archaeologies. 
It will help us investigate the tensions put on archaeology by its relationships with other disciplines in the humanities and the social and natural sciences, helping all of us to counter the modern crisis and state of emergency through responsible acts of participatory archaeological expression. And we hope this will highlight the human need for movement and spatial interaction by intervening in traditional representational and discursive environments, thus engaging modern dichotomies through reflexive practice. Finally, we hope this will communicate theoretical concepts and expressions which are not limited to language-specific contexts. These tasks may be done in theory, but more importantly, we feel they must be done in practice, in participatory ways. In doing so, it is possible to broaden the resonance of the archaeological sensibility beyond the task of studying or constructing the past, and empower archaeologists with new and active ways of engaging the assemblages of things and social assemblages of people in the world. These assemblages are fluid and dynamic. The assemblages, both beyond object and self, are a constant metamorphosis of meaning and being. Thus, the perception of archaeology and the archaeological object as stagnant entities or representations runs against the fundamental nature of the phenomenon of social being. Therefore, archaeologists are perhaps in need of transcending their modern objectives in order to participate in the metaphorical metamorphosis of social being and meaning, while equally being aware of its intrinsic modern rationale as science. Therein lies the risk. To transcend modernity would be to transcend many of archaeological thought's most basic philosophical assumptions. This necessitates a great humbling of archaeology within the discourse over epistemic sovereignty and over conceptions of the past. There is a great risk in intelligence and in making art. Let us move forward and embrace this risk to partake in the metaphorical expressions of society through poetic imitations of understandings of the human condition through art and archaeology. been listening to a lecture jointly given by Andrew Cochran of the School of History and Archaeology, University of Cardiff, and Ian Russell of the School of Archaeology, University College Dublin. A transcript of this lecture can be found at www.ucd.ie forward slash scholarcast. <laughs>